You are listening to the Sojourn Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to view a video version of this message, please visit our website, sojournchurch.org. Several years ago, I was in, uh, we were in uh, Israel, and uh, we have a wonderful uh, uh, legacy of going back and forth to Israel. I've taken lots of teams over there, and uh, this was probably uh, seven or eight years ago. And our guide, uh, we reached a place in the city of Jerusalem where we had lunch together, and I sat with the guide, and the guide said, you don't see it, do you? And I said, see what? He said, you, you don't see how the people are looking at you. No. I mean, we'd been walking through the city, looking at the various sites and all the stuff that was going on in Jerusalem. I mean, amazing city. And I said, no, I, I don't. He said, well, people are stopping what they're doing and they're staring at you. You guys don't see the light that's coming from you. You don't see the impact that you're making just by your presence in the city. And he said, it, it's, it's profound. Every street, every corner we've gone through, I'm watching as people are staring at you, watching you watching you just walk through the city. Today, I'm going to talk to you about shining. I want to talk to you about shining. Jesus said that you were the light of the world. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus pins, or actually Matthew pins these words that Jesus spoke. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He goes on to say, you're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Then he says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Then he comes the metaphor. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What's the objective of your light shining? The objective of your light shining is to bring praise and glory and honor to God wherever you go. You see, we're, this morning we've come to church, but the real truth is when we leave, the church will leave, right? Because what? We are the church, and we've been designed by God, called by God to take the life of the church out into the highways and byways of our culture. The easy way to say that is we're called to shine. You know, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to say that the earth was void. It was out without form, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And then the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the darkness. That's very interesting because we have God who was in the beginning before the beginning began. We have now the Spirit of God who's hovering over the waters, hovering over the darkness. And the very next verse says, then God said, let there be light. And in one instance, light exploded from the throne room of heaven. And, and that explosion is still happening today. It's still going on today. But here's the point. Isaiah puts it this way. He says, arise, shine, for your light has come, 
The people sit in darkness, in deep darkness, but arise and shine for they have seen a light. If you would, I um, got here a little early this morning and asked the guys to do something for me. Why don't you turn the lights out in here? With the exception of the ambient light that's coming from some of the computer screens and some of your screens that you're looking at, we could make this place totally dark. And that's what the world knows, darkness. I was telling Susan and Terry this morning that I was listening to Fox News on the radio coming in this morning. And finally, I realized if I don't turn this off, it's going to suck every bit of life that I have in me out of me this morning. Because it was one dark thing after another dark thing after another dark thing. It was darkness. And then God said, let there be light. Why? Because you're the light of the world. This one little 40-watt light bulb can bring enough light to this room so that all of us could see how to maneuver, how to walk, and how to get around. It's one little light bulb. And the Bible says that no one lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it. Why would you put a basket over your lamp? But what we do, we light the lamp and we set it on a lampstand. Why don't we set it on the lampstand? So the whole room can see. You see, you're like this little 40-watt lamp. Is there's enough light in you to light up your office place in the morning. There's enough light in you to light up your elementary school or your, or your classroom in the morning. There's enough light to keep light in your house. There, there, there's enough light there that when you go to the cleaners or when you go to the grocery store, that you can let your light so shine in such a way that people would see you, but they would glorify God. But some of us are content to, hey, come to Sojourn Church, get lit up here, but then when you walk out into the world, you put the basket on there. If I don't break this light, it'll be a miracle. Thank you, Jesus. And we put that basket over our life. Jesus said in the same way, in the same way that that light lights up a room, our good works should glorify God. And so what do we do? So we go out of here having been lit by the power of the Holy Spirit only to go outside and keep our faith secret. I heard somebody say one time, you know, my relationship with my God is personal. And I said to him, yeah, it's so personal, you don't even know what it is. You don't even know what it is. No, what does the Bible say? We need to let our light shine. And what, are the, what is it saying when it's like, that our good works would be seen by the darkness in the world and God would be glorified through it? Let me say this. This is kind of maybe a little controversial. If it, whatever I say controversial today, Pastor Chris can correct it later. 
But the church exists for one main purpose, for those who are still sitting in the darkness. We've made it a believer's meeting. But we've got, listen, that's great. There's plenty of time for believer's meetings. But we ought to have at least one meeting a week where we could bring the lost, not invite them, bring them. Where somewhere during the week, they've seen our light shine and they've said, like those people in Jerusalem, that I want what you got. I want what you got. Where'd you get that? Well, come go with me to Sojourn Church. They got more of what I got there. You see, there's a real difference between good works and dead works. On the outside, they look exactly the same. Two people can do exactly the same thing, and one is operating in good works, and the other is operating in dead works. Say, well, how is that? We see what a dead work is, is anything that we do to try to gain God's favor in our life. Anything that we can do to sort of obey what the Scripture says so that we can escape the punishment. Anything that we do to sort of make ourselves more pleasant to God that he might accept and receive us. That's a dead work. You might as well be whistling Dixie doing one of those. You know why? Because he already accepts you. He already loves you. He already thinks you're awesome. You don't need to get to him. He came to you. Yeah. And, and, and so a dead work is anything we do to get God's approval and God's favor. But the good works that the Bible's talking about, is what we do as a result of having God's favor in our lives. Yeah, the very least that you could do is put on a smile. That's the very least that you could do. You see, if you put on a smile all day tomorrow, you will be in the top 10% of happy people you see tomorrow, just with a smile. And what you'll do is you will take that basket off, you will let your light shine, and people will glorify God in heaven. And somebody out there is sitting in the darkness right now wondering if God is really real. And we think, well, you know, well, an angel will go tell them or speak to them or, or you know, no. How are they going to know God's real? Because God's love is going to come through you. Come through you. Church exists for those who are sitting in darkness. For those who are sitting in darkness. So let your light shine. Let your light shine. Amen? Okay, why don't we turn the lights back on? Yeah. I, I, I'm going to get me one of these clickers in my place. I like that thing. It's awesome. I feel like you're in control. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone, so that everyone, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, 15 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. One of the versions puts it this way, do everything without grumbling. How many grumblers we got in here? <laughs> Keep your hand down. We don't see all that. Now, you know what? When you grumble, guess what? You put in a basket on your light. When you complain, hey, you're doing great. And you started complaining, guess what? You put your light under a basket. It's not really a basket, but you get the point, right? 
And so he, the Bible says here, do everything without grumbling, complaining, arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live a clean, innocent life as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. There we go again. Why are we supposed to shine? Because the world is full of, watch this now, crooked and perverse people. And when we bring the light into their presence, it helps them to see their perversity and their crookedness. And as they glorify God in heaven, he can straighten them out. He can straighten them out. So do everything without complaining and arguing. As of this moment, complaining is off the table. You must stop complaining. And so is arguing, right? You're all, it's off the table. That's Philippians 2. Look at James 3. James 3 verse 2 says, for we all stumble in many ways. Thank God for that, right? Yeah, when I stumble, I can point to this. See, Bible says I stumble. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we can turn their whole body. A little bit. I don't know if any of you have ridden horses. I grew up with them, and so, you know, you put that bit in their mouth at the end of the bridle, and that little eight-ounce bit can turn a 1,200-pound horse. Amazing. Amazing how it works. And so he says, he says, we put bits in a horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Yeah, this is an awesome passage of Scripture because here's what it's saying. It's saying that your tongue is the rudder of your life. And that rudder works based on what the pilot, your heart, wants to go. And so we need to understand that when we don't allow our lives to go in the direction of glorifying God and good works, when we don't let our light shine, we, hey, we, the rudder of our life is taking us to a whole different place. You see, your rudder, your tongue, okay? Your tongue is like the fuel gauge of your heart. So here's my question. What's your heart full of? You can tell what your heart's full of by what you talk about, right? And, and so what is it that you're talking about these days? Right now, me and Nancy, we're talking about a new grandson. Yeah, we're excited about all that. We're talking, hey, we, we are blowing out of here. And we're going to go to Houston. And we're going to see Joseph Williams Martin IV. Yeah, it only took 90 years. Only took 90 years to get four of us alive in one spot. And so we're going to get to, we're going to, get to be together with him. There he, look at him. Look at him. That's, that's the third looking at the fourth. I remember when I was looking at the third like that. Yeah, and so we are grateful to God for the new one. And so right now, that's what we're talking about. That's what our heart is full of. 
right? And so you can tell where our heart is by what we say. And so we're excited about all that. He says, look at the ship. Although they are very large and they're driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. That's our tongue. That's our mouth. That's the words that we speak can turn our whole life in whatever direction our heart is pointed. Here's another passage, 1 John 2, 10 and 11. Bible says, he who loves his brother abides in the light. So if you want to live in the light, then the Bible says you got to love your brother, right? And there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So again, Scripture is very, very clear that John, 1 John goes on to say, watch this, it says, it says, he who says he loves God but hates his brother is a liar. There's no truth in him. And so there's no room for hating one another. There's no room for hating anybody, right? Why? Because the moment we start hating is the moment we stop shining, right? And so the moment we stop shining is the moment that we stop bringing glory to God and we start getting attention on us. And so we got to watch that. We got to love our brothers. I, I don't know about you. I'm looking around, and uh, our church is very diverse African American, uh, Hispanic, uh, white, old, young, rich, poor, professional, uh, blue collar. It's very, very diverse. Here's what I found out in the last year that if diversity is a value for you, then you're going to have to fight for it. If it's not a value, then you don't have to worry about it. Just keep doing whatever it is you're doing. But if it's a value to you, you have to fight for it. Years ago, when I was just before I actually met Terry and Susan, I, I went to a church, first time I'd ever been in a charismatic church. I never even heard that term. didn't even know what that was. And as I walked in, they started praise and worship, and I was near the front, and everyone raised their hands. I mean, everybody. I mean, this is back in the days when nobody did. But everybody raised their hands. And, uh, and it shocked me. And so I kept my hands down like this, looking around. I knew everybody was looking at me. I knew everybody was looking at me because I didn't have my hands up. And, and so the Lord said to me, what do you see? I don't know if you're like this, but when the Lord speaks to me, he asks me a really dumb question. What do you see? And I said, because I'm not the smartest guy on the planet. And so, so I said, well, Lord, I see people. He said, well, what kind of people? And I said, well, I see black people, white people, Hispanic people, Asian people. I see rich people look like they're wealthy. I see people look like they're poor. I see people that are older. I see people that are younger. I see all kinds of people, God. And in that moment, God spoke to me. He said, that's what heaven looks like. And it occurred to me, you may think this is crazy now, it occurred to me that the church wasn't a white, middle-class, upper-middle-class group of people. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, there are going to be more of them. And I saw in my mind's eye Asians in heaven than there are going to be you. So if you don't 
like them now, you're certainly not going to like them in heaven. So you better start building some friends with people who are different from you. Does that make sense? You get to heaven, and it's going to be a bunch of white people looking around at each other. Right, trying to figure out how to get some rhythm. Yeah. So there's no room to hate our brothers. There's no room to hate one another. There's no room to hold unforgiveness. No room to hold uh, bitterness. No reason for you to hold on to any kind of offense. Let it go. You don't know when your moment's going to be up. You don't know. Nancy and I were in a pretty serious car accident in May, end of May. In fact, we were on our way to see Terry and Susan at their ranch. And... Um, and uh, we totally rolled the Suburban that we were in. Just totally rolled it all the way over. Had we not had our seat belts on, we would have been ejected right out of the front window because the front glass blew out. I had a, had a styrofoam cup that was filled to the brim with a Coke. And when the truck quit rolling, the styrofoam cup was gone. Not one drop in the truck. All of it went straight through the windshield. Not one drop in the truck. That would have been me and Nancy. Had it not. But here's what I figured out. I could have died. I could have killed her in that moment. And then it had been over. And I thought to myself, I'm going to start being more present with people. I'm going to start being more present with her, with my kids, with my family, with my church. I'm going to start because I'm not sure that tomorrow has been given to me. I only got today. And that's all you got to so we can't afford to hate one another. Here's what Ephesians 5, 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Brothers and sisters, we were made and transformed from darkness into light. You, just like we walking through the old city of Jerusalem, you shine when you walk out there. It doesn't matter that you don't have your makeup on, your hair's not combed, maybe your car's a little dirty. That, that's not it. All those things help. That's not it. No, it's that inward peace that you have. It's that countenance that you carry. It's the smile on your face. It's the willingness to help someone. It's the willingness to open the door for someone, to say good morning, to say good night, to uh, good evening. How are you? Just, just to be kind to people is a light. People are so jacked up right now. They're so worried about, are you wearing a mask? Are you not wearing a mask? Listen, they, they're so worried about who you voted for, who you didn't vote for, or what's happening at the border, or what's not happening at the border, that people are jacked up, man. They're not making sense. They need some light in their world. And that's what you've been commissioned to do. You, you're the light of the world. If people are going to see Jesus, they're going to see him through you. They're going to see him through you. It's not something that you have to figure out, okay, I'm going to write down where I can go so people can see you. No, just go where your feet take you. Go. Nancy loves to play tennis. I tell you, that girl has made more friends. I mean, she is as red as they come. I'm just telling you, she's like Republican, red, red, red. She has made more blue state friends playing tennis and hanging with people and letting her light shine than I ever could. She's done amazing. See, even me talking about blue, red, get y'all uptight. Just calm down. <laughs> Dang. Let your light shine. 
Let your light shine. We were talking the other day, Nancy and I were talking the other day. She said, okay, well, here's the deal. I want you to be you, but I want you to give me the room to be me. I thought to myself, that's a great idea. I want you to be you, but I think as Christians, we need to be free to be Christians. Not us. Why? Because we're drawing attention to him, not to us. You know, when you express your political, uh, I didn't think I was going to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Chris, you can straighten this out. When you express your strong political beliefs, your strong, cons- uh, listen, that's great. Wow. You have got such a great thing going on. That's awesome. Not everybody thinks that's awesome, but you think it's awesome. And so when you express that, what do you do? You don't highlight what you believe. You highlight the division between me and you. So stop being divisive. I guess that's what I came for, Chris. That's all I can think of. Stop it. Well, it's important. What I believe. I, it is important, but there's something more important that is the gospel. And we now have, because of the chaos, the weirdness, the craziness, the, all the stuff going on, your guy didn't get elected or your guy did get elected, it's presented itself as a wonderful opportunity to preach Jesus, to share Jesus. To love Jesus. So quit worrying about what you think and how your opinion needs to get out there. Nobody cares. You, Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could state your opinion. I didn't mean to do this, Chris. I promise you. I didn't come thinking I was going to do this. Five ways to shine in the dark world. Number one. Number one, look, I got five minutes to give you five ways. Number one, be clear on your true identity. You want to shine in the darkness, be be clear on who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have been born again by the Spirit of God. You are a child of God. The Bible says you're a saint, so start acting like one. You are an heir to everything that God has in heaven. You're an heir to all of it. Listen, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be sitting back, back here in the back somewhere. Somehow, some way is going to make it possible for you to sit at the same round table with Jesus. So number one, be clear on your true identity. You've been bought with a price. You belong to God. You're a citizen of heaven. You're an ambassador for Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You are a new creation. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation, so start using it. Not to state your little opinion, but to share how much God loves people. Two amens. I'm from about three. Number two, how to shine in the dark. Number two, serve and care for others. Serve and care for others. Acts 9 tells a story about a lady named Dorcas. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple. Her name's Tabitha which is translated Dorcas. This woman is full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. The whole community loved this woman. Why did they love this woman? Because she chose to put our selfishness behind her and to serve and to help and encourage others. She let her light shine. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are God's workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
for us to walk in them. What, here's what that means, that when you wake up in the morning and you put your feet on the floor, the whole day's already been planned out for you. It's been planned out for you. You thought you had planned it out. But no, running parallel to what you thought you were doing, God has planned it out. And he's going to put people in your way all day long that you were intended to shine. Just shine. Shine. Turn to your neighbor and say, shine. Turn to the other neighbor tell them to shine. Number three. Number three. Third way you can let your light shine in the darkness. Watch this now. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Why? Because your mouth determines where your life is going. Your mouth is a fuel gauge on what your heart's full of. So watch your language. I remember when I was a teenager, Terry had the same thing happen to him. I was a teenager, and I had, you know, I thought I was a pretty tough guy. I was playing football, had hair down to about the center of my back, lifting weights, strong, tough, about 16, thought I was amazing. And my dad and I, we were working on a trench to put wire under so the dog, bird dog, we had bird dogs, bird dogs wouldn't, wouldn't bury out from under the fence and get out of their cage, get out of their pen. And so I was here building, digging the trench, and he was laying the wire. He was here. He was pointing to me. I was pointing to him. And as I was digging there, I started talking to him. He said, you know, I've been lifting weights. He didn't say nothing, nothing. He said, yeah, I, I, I squatted the other day nearly 350 pounds. He still didn't say anything. He said, I bench press over 200 pounds now, Daddy. He still didn't say anything. I said, I think I can take you. <laughs> I digging, digging, digging. The next thing I know, he never said a word. Next thing I know, I was laying on my back over here. <laughs> I couldn't see anything but stars. I don't know whether he hit me with a shovel <laughs> or his fist or his forearm or he headbutted me. I don't know what he did. But what I do know is it hurt. And he came over. And I thought he was going to have mercy on me. He put his knee right in my chest like that. He said, boy, this is the best wisdom you're going to get. Don't ever mess with an old man. He said, "An old young man to play. Old man, don't play. He'll kill you. He'll kill you because he ain't going to stay in jail that long. He's about dead anyway. <laughs> Watch your mouth. Why? Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Good man out of his good treasures brings forth good things. Evil man out of his evil treasures brings forth evil things. For by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. You'll be held accountable for every idle word that comes out of your mouth. So what do you do? If you're going to let your light shine, watch your words. Turn to your name and tell them watch your words. Number four, live a clean and innocent life. Clean and innocent life. In 2 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says that we should look for and hasten the coming of the Lord God. 
Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, without blemish, blameless before him. Now, what does that mean? That you keep real short accounts with God. And then when you start walking in sin, you make sure you get right back there under God. How do you do that? By repenting. By confession and repenting. So look, live a clean and innocent life. And number five, love one another. Love one another. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, that love never fails. Jesus said to the lawyer, the first and great commandment is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He said the second one is just like the first one. That means the second one is the first one. And the first one is the first one. The first one is the first one. The second one is the first one. What does the second one say? You should love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says this, on these two commandments, loving God, loving your neighbor, on these two hang all the law and all the prophets. Love your neighbor. Because love never fails. Okay, here's a summary. Five ways to shine in a dark world. Number one, be clear. Be clear on your true identity. Number two, serve and care for others. Number three, watch your mouth. Number four, live a clean and innocent life. And number five, love one another. Let's all stand together. Let your light shine. When you don't let your light shine, this is what you look like in the spirit. You know what we call this? A bucket head. Don't be a bucket head. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a bucket head. Let your light shine. Let your light shine, right? Come on, let your light shine. Let's forgive. Let's release. Let's speak life. Let's smile. Let's be kind. Let's remember that there's lots of people sitting in darkness that need the light that you have. Just, just know, look, you had not got to be like Pastor Chris. You ain't got to be like me, Pastor Terry, or anybody, any person. You don't have to be. Just be you and let your light shine. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Let everything that you say and do bring glory and honor to God. Can somebody say amen? amen. Say that one more time. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sojourn Church Podcast. For more messages or content similar to this, please visit our website. If you would like to support our ministry, please visit the first link in the show description or visit sojournchurch.org give.